Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode. I'm excited because, and I know I always say I'm excited, but I'm excited because I have Rabbi Manus Friedman with me again. And I know you enjoyed his first interview when we talked about his book, The Joy of Intimacy. Today we're going to expand that conversation to talk about intimacy in the world, in our society, the way things are going, and relationships as a part of that topic. So let me remind you a little bit about uh, Rabbi Friedman. He's a world-renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher, and he uses ancient and modern wisdom, well, ancient wisdom and modern wit at any rate, as he captivates audiences around the world and around the country. He hosts his own critically acclaimed cable television series, Torah Foreman with Manus Friedman. It's syndicated throughout North America. He's also written another book, which we're going to talk about today, which is Don't doesn't anyone blush anymore? Now, that's a really big question because there's implications for our society, for sure. So Rabbi Friedman has helped thousands with his deep understanding of the human spirit and simplified common sense tips for our daily lives. And that's basically what we're going to be interested in today is, is how can we use your wisdom in daily life? And so welcome to the program again. Thank you. Nice to be back. So let's talk for a minute. You, you've written this wonderful book, The Joy of Intimacy, and we have that as a gift for everyone. All they have to do is pay shipping today, and it's in the show notes, but I'll talk about it a little longer, a little later. But, you know, we're going to expand the conversation to discuss relationships in general and what's happening in our world today. So where do you think we are as a society in terms of our understanding of intimacy? Not in a good place. Uh, I think there's a crisis. Mm -hmm. Call it an intimacy crisis. Because uh, we know it's missing, but we don't know what to do about it. Ah, yes. Well, yeah, what, what do we know is missing? How would we determine that it's missing? What kind of feeling do we have? What indications do we have that this something is missing that you would call intimacy? Uh, I think the first telltale sign is loneliness. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when people are married, they should never feel alone. No. You're married. You're connected at the hip. How can you feel alone? And yet people do. They do. You know, sometimes I say that the loneliest place you can be is in a marriage. Because That's terrible. It, it is, isn't it? I mean, there are all these wonderful opportunities. You, you have family, you have a partner, you have commitment, you've said all the right words, and yet something is not happening where you feel connected, deeply known, understood. There's curiosity, there's attention, there's time spent. 
you just feel like some kind of an object that was the result of some kind of a process and you're being marginalized in your relationship. Whoa. Right? Very painful. Very painful. And what do you think is contributing to that in your understanding? Uh, Probably materialism. Hmm. We're way too focused on things. We're turning people into things. Mm. Relationships are things. What husband and wife do for each other is some thing. How many things does he do for you? How many things do you do for the... It's, it's very materialistic. And we're missing each other. Yes, we're yes. We're not connecting. Well, I think that's, that's so true because we pass in the night. We're not... We're not actually involved in each other's lives. We're not involved in each other's growth. You know, one of the things that I've said, and I think we probably discussed it together the last time, I think there are three hallmarks of a healthy relationship, wherever that relationship is. The equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. And if those things are not there, the chances are that we're only having a transactional relationship or high. I think we might want to add humility. Ah, okay. Because without humility, we don't get past ourselves. So even if I'm feeling equal and mutual and reciprocating, but it's all on my terms. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten comfortable stepping out of my reality. And I'm looking to make my life better through marriage. Mm-hmm. But that leaves my spouse feeling really alone. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing thing. I think we mentioned it last time also, where the Torah says, therefore should a man leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife and become one. Right. Can you be one with your mother and father? That oneness that takes away the feeling of being alone in the world, mm-hmm. can't you have that with your parents? If you have a really close relationship with your mother, with your father, do you still feel alone? Yes, you do. So the Torah has to say, no, 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 don't don't try to have that kind of relationship with your parents. You got to leave your mother and father. And the only way to become one is to cleave to a spouse. And I think the reason simply is that with your parents, you are not number one. No. At best, at best, you're number three because <laughs> they have each other. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's true because that bond that they have with each other is going to outlast our time in their home. Yes. And, you know, that's another thing we could talk about because people who don't have that relationship and they don't build their relationship and their intimacy with each other end up with no children at home. And there they are looking at each other at the ends of the table saying, who are you? You know, because we've lost track of each other over the time. We've lost track of each other's growth. We've been involved in busyness. And, you know, it's no substitute. So let's just stay on track here that, yes, you have this opportunity to, as the Torah says, and, you know, certainly we read it in the Bible where it says exactly that. You have this one person that you have decided upon, that you've been called to be with, that you feel that you'd like to be committed to. 
And that's the person you've chosen, and hopefully they've chosen you, and hopefully both those people choosing have done it for the right reasons with the right intention. Now, you know that I spend a lot of my time uh, dealing with people who are experiencing the effects of finding that they're with a person who has some personality issues. And that's always so disappointing because you so believed that things were going to be wonderful and they were painted to be wonderful and they had all of that seemingly potential in their future, but then they find out that it's not there for them. And so let's talk about this from both sides, from being in a relationship where there is the potential for healthy growth and being in a relationship where you find that there's no longer potential for healthy growth. What do you say when somebody's starting out, when somebody is at that place and they, you've, you've given them the, the wisdom of, yes, cleave only unto your partner and and what else do you say to them that's going to help them understand creation of intimacy? The part of us that allows intimacy, real, real intimacy, is the part of us that is not needy. We are, thank God, gifted with this side to our character, or to our to our reality. There's a part of me that is very needy. That's what it's that's what it's meant to be. It's not an illness. I need to eat, I need to sleep, I need my comfort, I need my security. I need. I also need love. Love is just another one of my needs. It's not going to do you any good. The part of me that is not needy, that's where intimacy can happen. That's where merging with another person can happen because I'm not needy in that space. There, there's room for you. In fact, you can take up more room than me because I have no needs. I'm just there for you. We don't recognize this. Modern psychology has not taught this. It focuses on the needy side of me, which is real, but that's not all there is to me. And if all I focus on is my needy side, there really is no room for you unless you serve my needs, which is kind of abusive. I'm using you. Yes, and that was the word that came to mind You know, when you were just speaking a few minutes ago, is that it, it becomes abusive because I'm using you for my own need to the fulfillment of the pieces of me that are missing or the, the ability to feel like I've acquired you in my life and now I can be dismissive because you filled a compartment. You know, so many times I think that those compartments of husband and wife get filled and that people don't have a real understanding of what those potential places are in the world. I mean, I don't think there's anything more exciting, and I know that some people would probably think I'm delusional, but I don't think there's anything more exciting than growing and enriching on a daily basis with that other human to whom you're committed, to finding that they are learning, they're growing, they're changing, and, and that you stay current with that and interested and curious and listening and your emotional intimacy then deepens and grows and your sense of safety develops. What do you think? Well, I, I think if we define what it means to grow, 
in this particular case, growing means not I'm becoming more or better. Growing means I'm becoming more and more comfortable outside myself. Mm. That's real growth. So here, here's another fascinating statement in, in, the, in the Torah. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good that man is alone. Isn't that a strange statement? It's best when man is alone. <laughs> if I could be alone and sufficient, that would be the best, even, even in terms of uh, survival, according to the uh, Darwinian theory. If I have to depend on somebody, if I need somebody, my survival isn't, my species is not guaranteed. But if I'm completely sufficient by myself, within myself, what's better than that? Why is that not perfect? In fact, we do try to be perfect. We all want to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Does perfect not imply independence? So what does it mean it's not good to be alone? It is good. <laughs> it, may not, it may not be practical because I can't do all the things I need to do in a day, so I need to delegate some of my work. But then I'm still alone. It's still just me. So what's wrong with being just me if I can manage? Well, if you're self-reflective and if you are willing to grow and you're willing to move in directions of fulfillment, personally, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being alone. But if you are feeling like you don't know who you are unless someone reflects you to you, then there is a deficit. And that's, <laughs> and that's not good, right? Mm -hmm. So if I could transcend that need, I would be perfect. So in essence, man is better off alone. We're just not getting there. But that should be our goal, shouldn't it? Yes, well, you know, here we are having, this is why it's so much fun to talk to you, because we're turning things around, right? We have all of these sort of truisms, quote-unquote, that we we let roll off our tongue, but we don't really dive into what does this really mean? What is the basis for this? So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just, just what you're reflecting, I'm sure people are saying, oh, I never thought of it that way. And maybe that is a more enlightened way to consider this. I think I'll go off and think about it alone for a while. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. In order to be perfect, I need to be able to manage everything by myself. Mm, good luck. <laughs> if I need something from you, anything, support, uh, a compliment, uh, a pep talk, love, anything I need from you is an imperfection in me. But imagine if I were perfect and I truly didn't need anything from you. What would happen is I would develop a need for you and not something from you. 
So when the Torah says it is not good for man to be alone, it's talking about a perfect human being who needs nothing from anyone else. And yet, precisely then, you feel a need for another human being. Not to take something from them, because you don't need anything. So it's, I mean, the wording is precise. It's not good to be alone. Not, a, not it's not good to have laundry that you don't know what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the problem. Right. The problem right. is the aloneness, mm-hmm. which means even if you're perfect, but it's just you, not good. Why is it not good? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not missing anything. Look how beautiful this is. I don't need anything from you. Nothing. But just being me is for some mysterious reason not enough. Perfect me, not enough. Because it's only me. So now I need you in my life. Not to take something from you, just to have you in my life. And for whatever reason, you're not in my life. What am I missing? This is really beautiful. If I need nothing from you except you, and you're not there, what am I missing? Only you. You're missing in my life. That doesn't make me imperfect. It makes me humble. Mm -hmm. Because why am I not enough? Why do I need another when I'm already perfect? That's the part of me that is not needy. The part of me that is not needy is the part that needs you, not uses you. Yes. Really needs just you because you are not me. Now, here's the key. If I love the fact that you are not me, then the differences between us are not going to be a problem. I love the fact that you're not me. You don't think like me. You don't feel like me. You don't agree with me. (laughs) I love that because that means I have someone else in my life and not just a clone. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I hope you all will go and listen to the other interview that I did with Rabbi Friedman because we really went into depth on these ideas and you can land over there. So we're introducing today's topic by reiterating some of these basic things that we talked about. But it redefines the idea of need and it redefines the idea of perfection and it redefines the idea of relationship and the things that we're talking about. And so I really hope you'll go back and listen to that. All in five minutes. Yes, yes, <laughs> we, we were able to do that. But, you know, where we can go with that, you know, there's ideas of wholeness, right? And when you say, I, have, I don't need another human being, that means that we're living in a sense of wholeness within ourselves. We know ourselves well. We know our values, our vision, our beliefs, our purpose. We, we, we know who we are and, and uh, how we perceive ourselves in the world. And that we're whole and complete. You know, we can all manage to live, in a sense, alone, 
um, because we can be self-sufficient, we can be entirely self-reliant, but it is that desire to have another. Of course, we need that other for procreation, but the desire to be known, to have another, the desire to come to know, I mean, it's very exciting and enriching. And when I'm explaining it to my clients and I'm saying, no, no, this is not a problem. This is not a destruction. This is a moment for inquiry. It's a moment of learning. And, you know, sometimes they say, what? <laughs> How can you possibly say that? Because the model is it's broken, fix it. It's supposed to be like this. And aside from some basic things of honoring another and respecting another human, the supposed to be is limited. Because each person, in my opinion, and I'm interested in your opinion on this, gets to create their relationship in their own way that is interactive, special, unique, and, and theirs. What do you think? I really think we need to add the word humility. Again. <laughs> it can't be about me. Not even my highest ideals, my greatest values, my deepest beliefs. Keep it. Don't impose any of that on somebody else. There's, there's an, a, a necessary humility. The, 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 the vulnerability that makes us great is the feeling that for myself, I wouldn't bother. Mm -hmm. I'm perfect. I'm great. I can do it all. But what's the point for somebody else that matters that, that vulnerability, I'm not enough as good as I am, as great as I am. Just me is, is for some strange reason, not enough. You know, that's our primary vulnerability. You know, it's interesting. And that's what leaves room for other people in our lives. Yes. And, you know, recently I've been looking at the universe and the construction of the universe. Um, and one of the things that I find interesting is one of the basic components of the universe, quark-wise, are things called gluons, and they only come in pairs. Now, I find that fascinating because it speaks to exactly what we're talking about here. That, Cosmic mon monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and it allows us, if we, if we think about that, that the basic core unit is, is a pair. And that, that they're attracted to one another um, and, and that they grow and, and continue on together. And it's a basic building block of our universe. And yet we have this idea, and it becomes more prevalent, it seems, as the younger generation develops in different ways, that you're here to please me, and that you should do things my way. And if you did that, if you understood that that was very important, you would do that, because if you love me, you would do that. And so we get into this very transactional situation that is what I call in my book, Kaizen for Couples, I call it the hokey pokey relationship. You've got one foot in and one foot out, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> so having an ability to 
commit becomes a whole other thing. Yeah. And commitment. Now, what about practicality? I, I want to just go back before we discuss commitment. I want to go back to what you were just saying about practicality because all these concepts that you're putting out, like, I'm all for it. I'm there. I understand. For other people, it may be new. So what does this look practically in the day-to-day life of a couple? One way of putting it is there's the part of me that is needy, and I have many needs. And on top of my needs, I have weaknesses. And on top of my weaknesses, I have character faults. That's a big package, (laughs) a big burden. Marriage and the humility and the respect that we have for our spouses dictates that I should never allow my need to burden you. I'll deal with my needs, and if you can help me with them, that's great. But I will never fix myself at your expense. And that can even mean something as simple as you have something really heavy weighing on you. You dump it on your spouse. You want them to feel miserable too. That's not, that's not acceptable. Do whatever it takes to, to handle the issue, to handle your problem. You have a mentor, you have a coach, you have a therapist, you have a rabbi or a, a minister. Find, find resources. Don't make your spouse's life heavier just because you have a heavy burden. Mm. So the first rule in marriage, like in medicine, is first, do no harm. <laughs> don't, don't make your spouse's life worse. Your whole purpose is to make their life better. I can feel the collective sigh that just happened when every listener heard you say that, because that is a, is almost a demand, you know, in so many marriages that you're supposed to make me happy. And when I say to clients, oh, no, no, happiness is your job. That's not what this person's here for. Well, why did I get married then? You know, no. That's not why you got married. And if that is the reason you got married, that's one of the reasons you're sitting in front of me (laughs) because we have a problem here by definition. But I think um, that that maxim, first do no harm, is so key. I love the way that you said that uh, in relationship to relationship because we do tend not that we don't want to share our burdens occasionally. When someone says, how are you feeling or what's going on? We don't say, oh, never mind. I'll discuss it with my therapist. Because that can, that can detract from allowing you to know me, to know what I'm going through. But I understand completely what you're saying. Don't make it the other person's problem to fix or the other person's problem to carry. They can know about it, but they don't have the burden of repairing it or eradicating it. That's not appropriate and i think people really really would have a new thought about that if you really consider what's going on with that statement because what would it be like if we all lived from a place of first do no harm to our partner whoa so it's kind of a double standard 
you cannot say, make me happy. You can't demand that I make you happy. And yet, my entire purpose of being in the relationship is to make you happy. Mm-hmm. So I demand it of myself, but you can't demand it of me. It's pretty much like, like charity. <laughs> you imagine a poor man knocks on your door and says, can I have my money? <laughs> I said, I have your money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says you have to feed the poor, so hand it over. <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> No, the Torah is saying, I should give you my money. It never became yours until I give it to you. And if I decide not to give it to you, that's between me and God. You have no rights to my money. Mm-hmm. The same is true in a marriage. We have no rights to each other. You don't owe me anything. I owe you And not because you deserved it. You don't have to earn it. You know, when you behave like a real mensch, then I'll give you some respect. (laughs) That's horrible. Now, you are there for the express purpose of making the other, your spouse's life, lighter, more pleasurable, easier, more safe, more secure. That's, That's what you're there for. But they can't demand it as if it's their right. It's your privilege, not their right. Beautiful. And that's why the feminists who say, why are you opening doors for me? I can open doors myself. What do you think I am? (laughs) Nobody ever thought you were incapable of opening a door. No. it's. But it used to be our privilege to open the door for you. And it still is. Yes. Don't take my privileges away. (laughs) No, um, I love it. I have always my entire life thanked anyone who opened the door for me, male or female. That that mark of I'd like to do this for you, you know, is is a pleasure. You know, I mean, that's a moment in the day when you smile at someone because they held a door for you or they smiled at you or something. But, you know, the door opening thing, I am a feminist and I love it when people open doors for me. I love it when people do things that demonstrate to me they care about me, male, female, it doesn't matter. But we don't need to be locked into those things as meaning that anybody is weak or needy or anything. It is a gift you give. Right. And I, I think that's that's a very important point to make. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And one way of thinking about it is when I open the door for myself, I don't get a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but when I open the door for you, it feels good. Yeah. 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 I, it's like if I buy myself a sandwich... Nothing special. I buy you a sandwich, even though you could buy your own sandwich, Mm -hmm. but it feels good. It feels right. There's something, it makes my day brighter. Yes. So let's take a little turn here. I want to know what you think of, is intimacy improving in society or are we getting more further away from it? It's getting worse, but the good news is that we know it. And we're desperate for a solution. Like even in business, it used to be, I invented a product. I think it's great. 
Now I'm going to spend millions of dollars convincing you that it's great. Or I'm going to knock, go door to door, knocking on doors to convince people they have to buy my vacuum cleaner because it's great. It's a great vacuum cleaner. It's, it's, it's a difficult, painful, uphill struggle, but it's what made Madison Avenue famous. Because yeah. the only way to sell was through advertisement, you know, really intelligent, brilliant sales pitches, because I have to convince you to go my way, to buy my product, to think like I think. There's a new model. I'm going to find out what you need, and I will provide it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to convince you of anything. It's yeah. your need that I'm responding to, not my own. The difference is, I think, maybe this is overly simplified. If I, pro if I produce a product and I try to peddle it, I might become a millionaire. If I find what you need and provide it, I will become a billionaire. Mm -hmm. As long as the other person knows they need it. Yes. Think, you know, but, you know, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I, I have two podcasts. I have a YouTube channel. I have all of these ways that allow people to get information, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be, have insights they might not have had. And it takes them a while to actually realize, oh, that would be a better way for me to go. That would be something that I want. That would be something that I need. You know, I found it interesting, and you might know the statistic that um, Dr. John Gottman, he did some research, and he found out that couples uh, usually have their main presenting problem for six years before they get help. Now, that says something to how long it takes to, to be able to say, we have something that is necessary to solve, and we can't solve it by ourselves. And the idea that, well, we should be able to solve it by ourselves plays into exactly what you were talking about. Because if I, if I don't see that that thing that I need that would solve a problem or help me or shorten my journey or whatever, if I can't allow myself to see it, and have some feeling of beating myself up to think I should know this or I should be able to fix this or I should be able to provide this for myself, it will stop us from growing. And I think that, that that's one of the pieces in this new model that you're talking about is the person has to recognize their own need or pain point and be able to say, this is something that would help me to be able to actually see the product that you put in front of them. I guess that goes back to the humility. I can't be so full of myself that um, it takes me six years to realize that I need a little help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the, in the workplace, right, you uh, make an appointment, you go to see this very important customer or, or supplier or partner, whatever it is. And you're there to make a deal. You come with a contract, you want him to sign it, and you see that something's bothering him or her. And you say, is everything okay? And he says, well, actually, my daughter is uh, in the hospital. Mm -hmm. 
Are you annoyed? Is this man's personal problem interfering with your business? You made a long trip. You came here to sign a contract. You don't want to hear about his daughter. I roll. (laughs) Or is it the opposite? You think you came here to sign a deal? Turns out that's not the case. The reason you're here is to say something encouraging, offer some advice, help him with his problem. That's why you were brought together, not for the money. See, there's the difference between thinking materialism or thinking intimacy. Intimacy means person-to-person interaction, interdependence. If I can help you just get through the day when you have this problem, that is so much more significant than whether we sign the contract or not. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I agree with that, and I'm sure you're not surprised that I agree with that. But, you know, the spiritual teacher that, that has had the most impact on my life uses the word simply poor. And that has great meaning to me. And that's what I hear you talking about, is you're there and you have a gift to give, so you simply pour. You don't say, well, do you know how much time it took and how much trouble it took and how long I've been waiting for this appointment? I'm sorry you have a problem, but can we get on and talk about the reason for our meeting? (laughs) Is then, Then it's all about you. But when you actually understand that, oh, this is a moment when I get to simply pour, when I can open up and and have that mutuality that we can be human together, that you can be vulnerable and I can hear that vulnerability and I can offer what I have. Those are the moments that create relationship and relationships get sales down the road. So if you're still wanting to talk about your sale, you don't do it because, because I'm going to be nice to you now so that you'll buy from me later. It has to be coming from you doing it because of who you are. The core of your being is willing to do that. And because of what we believe. You know, we were raised to believe that business is business, and the more ruthless you are, the more you'll succeed, and that's what you're supposed to do. It's a bad message. Oh, I agree. And it's not working. No. It's not not making our lives livable. It's just making our pockets full. Well, 20 years ago, when I started internet marketing and everything, and I rushed around from place to place, how do you do this? What's the best way? You know, how do you make it work? And I went to seminar after seminar. And strangely enough, after each one, I felt like I had to come home and have a shower. (laughs) You know, and it was that very thing, the very thing that happened, because it was, how do you get someone to do what you want them to do? right? It's not an invitation. It's not a presentation. It's not my putting something in front of you. It's basically, how do I get you to do what I want you to do? And that doesn't express the values that I I embrace, right? So you're right. I mean, if you have a spiritual belief system you have a a a belief a mythological belief system of you know whatever it is whatever it is you're living from and that you aspire to live from if it fits with this philosophy that we're discussing today you know be encouraged by this because it is different you know we're talking about paradigms that are different today and that you may want to just have a new look 
a new look at things, a new look at intimacy, a new look at the sales process, why you do what you do, how you spend your time and why you spend it that way, how you respond to other human beings. And is that in keeping and and in alignment with who you want to be? These are really, really big issues. I think you and I could talk for months. Um, (laughs) It sounds like there are three steps uh, so far in the business world. The first was, there are a limited number of dollars. If I grab it first, I'll have it. If not, I won't have it. So I have to grab. I have to be greedy. I have to be ruthless. Mm -hmm. Then we developed an insight that said, wait a minute, we can do business and we both win Mm because there's enough for everybody. So we have a win-win philosophy. I'll sell you the vacuum cleaner, but you really do need a vacuum cleaner. I've seen your house. (laughs) You need a vacuum cleaner. Uh, But now we're, we're, we're a step beyond that as well. When you meet with your customer or your supplier, and you intended to have a win-win contract. Now, all of a sudden, he introduces his personal tragedy or his personal problem, and you're thinking, you know, this is really all about him. It's not about me at all. And it's only my privilege to be able to help him with his issue, and it's not about me at all. That's good. That's coming closer to intimate because win-win is not intimate. Mm-hmm. It's barter. I love you. You love me. It's good. Right. You don't love me. It's over. I don't love you. It's over. Right. That's not intimate. You know, I can't help but putting this aside in here, Rabbi, because my my I've had a lot of spiritual teachers and a lot of journey, but my spiritual teacher that I, he's long past, but, who I ascribe to, he he was uh, born in the Jewish faith, and he became a Christian mystic, <laughs> and and you know these are things that I think are deep in our in our learning, and that are, that are we're beginning to apply these to what's going on in the world to help people see a better paradigm, and I love I love this interaction because well course it's aligned but it's bringing a new message to people a new possibility and i hope everybody who's listening is you know, just take a deep breath and say whoa what if i embrace this what if that's what i was about when i woke up in the morning and what if it's not even mystical it's not even spiritual yeah it's just if- it's just regular life it's a choice that's what life is about mm-hmm. you don't have to be a mystic and don't get spiritual on me. <laughs> no, you don't have to go there. That's right. It's just don't, a choice. Don't make it exceptional. It's what every person should be doing because it's simply the right thing to do. Yeah, it's a choice. So thank you so much again. My guest today has been Rabbi Manus Friedman. You may have purchased a copy of The Joy of Intimacy when we last spoke. If you haven't, that book is now free, and all you have to do is pay shipping. So go to Rabbi Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com slash gift. And it will be there for you. His gift to you is the book. All you have to do is get it to yourself. So I highly encourage you to do that. To also look at all the other things that he has. Because you can tell this man is very thought out. 
and you might want to enjoy some more of his ways of viewing the world differently, and particularly when it comes to intimacy and what's going on in our world. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for the privilege. As you can see, I love doing this. I know, and I love talking to you. (laughs) I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. You can find Rabbi Friedman at rabbifriedman.com. Remember, the I comes before the E. And you can find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. I hope you will come and join in my membership circles, optimized circles. Go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash circles and join in where you're safely offline in a community of support. Thanks for being with us today. I hope that you listen. Tell your friends. If you enjoyed this, bring your friends to the podcast. It's available wherever you enjoy getting your podcasts Take good care. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.